previously on Coruscant Nights. So, uh, here's a skinny for you. We've been following this guy. Guy went missing. Another name on the list. Name's Nock Nalil. Nock um, Nalil, huh? We've, uh, we've known about Nock for quite some time, but Nock's, uh, Nock's not an easy fellow to track down. They're, uh, they're a Claudite. Carp looks down at this information and sees that there is one place on this map. So there were little places that it looked like they had been uh, to these places. And one place is standing out as like, it's been marked. It is an important place. And it is all the way down on rock bottom. It's a place called the Crescent Theater. So Afka says, um, so I'm uh, pulling up some info from that uh, comlink you grabbed. I'm looking at places he's gone. There's one place that I can cross-reference here. It seems like it's his house, his apartment, his loft, whatever it is, uh, the school. And then there's uh, there's there's one place that kind of stands out. It's a little weird. It's all the way down in in rock bottom. I don't know why a guy like that would go down there. Uh, yeah, Afka, that that does seem like an outlier. It seems like a like an odd thing for our for our friend. Addy to uh, to do. Let's get an average computer's check. Okay. That is two success and a threat. The this place is a an very old, very abandoned theater called the Crescent Theater, and it is currently owned by Future Forward Galactic. Well, if uh, if I've learned anything tonight about what Future Forward Galactic is doing. I think I can make a lot of assumptions about what might be going on at the Crescent Theater. And and they're not good assumptions. Well, here I go. And he continues down towards rock bottom. All of these threads tie together. And when they do, a new story begins. Yeah, he makes it to the bottom, and Rowley follows. And you, you've reached the bottom. It's very, very dark. He's gonna turn the brightness up on his data pad and spin it around. Whoops, spin it around. Ooh, wait, no, he's gonna turn the brightness up on the data pad and see if he can follow a path of okay crystal bits. So he turns the brightness up to see if he can follow uh, this trail of crystal bits. And as he follows this signature of you know, radioactive crystal shards, fool's kyber. The whole, all of the ground in here actually lights up with a, uh, via the, the pad with a glow of that same crystalline radioactive signature. And at the far end of this room, there's some flimsy plastic kind of sheets that cover the doorway between this room that you are sitting in, are standing in, and the room beyond. Rowley and Afka sort of get on either side of the hall and give each other as much as a droid can um, visual signals indicating that um, Afka is going to stick an eye stock in wow. and, and see if he can I love it. see what's going on in there without revealing I think it's going to be a stealth check. Yeah, stealth check. And I also, I want to uncommit my okay. force die and roll his, uh, his ability again. If I succeed in the stealth check, I guess. What's my difficulty? For the stealth check? Yeah. I think it's going to be two purple 
And I think you can take one boost because uh -huh. you are visually concealed. Yeah. You're only and putting your eyes stock through. I want to remain stealthy. Um, I'm going to flip that last light side point to upgrade one of my dice. Because he's not particularly stealthy. But I think that also comes, again, from hanging out with Saul Dixon and seeing how he does stuff. Even though Saul's not particularly stealthy being a giant man. Part Saul, part Detective Hollows. One advantage. I don't think your eye stocks are long enough. Okay. I mean, you tell me what your advantage yeah, is. Yeah, no, he doesn't... He, he can't uh, do it and remain stealthy while he... I Here's my what I'd like my advantage to be, is that I want to roll his sensibility before well, failing that check. I guess I guess you did fail because you didn't succeed? Which yeah. mean that you failed in being stealthy? Yeah. Yeah, Which you mean that you're exactly. about to be caught. He would like to sense, like, simultaneously trying to be stealthy and sense mm -hmm. who is around. And that's a uh, force check. Yeah. Yep. This seems a little, this seems a little like a, like a long reach. Okay. So then what it's going to be is that he gets caught, but Raleigh doesn't. I like it. I actually like this better. He, he tries to peek in through a gap but um has trouble finding it and ends up like ruffling this plastic making himself known as he's trying to trying to look and he clumsy afka gets like a little bit caught in it and mm -hmm. just comes through on the other side so afka stumbles through this flimsy plastic sheeting and uh stumbles into this room and it's bright with a, a bluish green glow there are tabletop beds covered in a short crystals that Afka I think would instantly know are the fool, fool's kyber there are some mm -hmm. um, some dark looking uh, machines projecting kind of a wavy light onto them and there are also some tables covered in equipment and tools and looks like there is some experiments and things being built in this this room i think it's probably maybe about 30 by maybe 50 or 60 feet to, towards the back and and this all is underneath that that fueling station afka entering this room alerts at least one person to his presence and he hears a voice that says who is that and afka says the intern Wrong answer. There aren't any interns. <laughs> Show yourself. Uh, okay. Um, if he, I, I kind of almost pictured Afka falling out of the ground. Uh, Can but you if see he, who's talking? Like, oh yeah. Okay. So he's on his hands and knees, and he like slowly stands with his hands up. So this guy has, he's got kind of a slicked back, light blonde hair, and dark dark clothing um can he be wearing a, a jumpsuit like a, a plastic breaking bad jumpsuit yeah he's got he's got a dark navy blue jumpsuit it's got some um cables and cords coming off of it and he one one glove is like a very thin plastic and one is uh, a little bit larger and and more substantial it's made out of some black kind of plastic and metal and he says uh what are you doing here i'm an inspector. I was sent by the place that inspects fueling stations. Uh, this, this is a fueling station, right? 
That's unfortunate for you, I'm sorry to say. Okay. So what do we do here? What's uh, what what's going on? I'm I need I'm gonna have to report this. He takes out his data pad and pretends to start writing something up. You've you've got you've got growths down here. I I can't believe this. This is against regulations. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to go get my boss. As you're saying that, he is clicking a few buttons on a table. And at the center of this table is a rectangular dark black object. And as he clicks these buttons, the top uh, half of this rectangle rises up off of the bottom and reveals a kind of a blue glowing crystal. And as he clicks these buttons, this blue crystal sort of starts to spin in air. And you kind of hear like a humming, buzzing noise. And it starts off actually very loud, and then it sort of starts to um, fade and sound more normal. And he says to you, leave here and never worry about what you've seen. And I think that you need to do a resilience check. What do you think about this? You can make me do a resilience check. He's not going to pass it, though. I'll flip and upgrade your difficulty. Um, let me upgrade... You know, I should give you three and upgrade one to red. That's what I'm going to do. Yes. Okay. Can I add my force die? Alright, I'm going to also flip to upgrade. You're flipping my flip? I'm flipping your flip. I know you don't like it. That is one success. Really? One advantage. Holy yes. macaroni. Afka looks at this person and just says, no, I'm not going anywhere. I think he's going to like try and reach out and grab that spinning crystal. I he like says, it. I'm not going anywhere. And then he starts walking towards the table with this, this crystal that this guy's obviously using that he shouldn't be. He's reaching out. This guy says, what? what's happening? What, what are you doing? Stop that. I command you, stop that. And he clicks another button and the crystal um, spins up just a tiny bit faster. And you hear the, the hum of it pick up um, and then it dissipates like there's nothing. And Afka says no. And he reaches out towards the spinning crystal and grabs it. Does he pull it out of the this like device? I, yeah, I think he's wow. going to try and pull it out of the device. I... I almost feel... I mean, does he pull it out with his hands? Do you want me to do a mechanics like check? Or... Some unknown mystical power? Uh, he does... He, he... As far as he knows, he can only do one thing. So he pulls it out with his hand? Yeah. It is... It is like a spinning machine. Maybe he tries to... He, he like, assesses the machine to see what he can do to make it stop so he can grab it. Yeah. I, Real quick. I, I'm sorry for hanging you up. I think that you can just do that. I think you can probably, Afka can push a button and just stop it. Yeah. So he, like, there's a, there's a, maybe a toggle, because it's Star Wars, be like toggles. He, like, flip, flicks a toggle, and maybe the casing that it's behind opens up. Yeah, and you he hear the sound whir to a, a stop. And he just sort of snatches it out of there. And this guy is in shock. He looks around the room and grabs a holdout blaster off of the table next to him and points it at Afka. And as soon as he does, pew, 
uh, Rowley shoots the blaster out of his hand. So as soon as Afka touches the crystal, he is like pulled into the force in a way that he has not really touched it before. And like he feels like he's downloading information from this crystal. Um, and he actually rolled two dark side. He can feel his own fear in the situation. This guy just had his holdout blaster pointed at him. And the whole situation he's in is is weird right now. But he can also feel the littlest bit of the light side. And so he reaches out to that and is going to use sense to see who else is in this space. Okay. This whole this room you entered through has these sort of growing crystals, this central um, table with the device on it and some tables to the side where the blasters were. There is a door directly behind this guy. You just shot a blaster out of his hand. And Afka can sense a few people in the room behind him. He can actually sense four different people. And it looks like they're at work. They're moving things, doing things, um, taking care okay. of business. I think he can assume. All four of them. Yeah. He can, he can hear the gassing above kind of drumming his foot on the ceiling he says rowley stun this guy yeah rowley steps out of her through this uh flimsy plastic sheeting like holding his blaster super steady right in front of him has been yeah super steady right in front of him has never stopped aiming directly at this guy's head and he's gonna try and shoot a stun bolt and We'll see how this goes. How does stun setting work? Um, if you hit, you stun. It just does strain damage. All right, and he got two successes, one threat, and one of his successes is a triumph. I think he did it. Yeah, I think so he did it. So stun noise. <laughs> nails this guy. Guy goes limp on the ground. I think that maybe, maybe some stealth checks need to happen just to see if the four people in the other okay. room notice am i am i scrutinizing again no, am I... let's do it let's no, fail no, no. This. you need to pass it's not gonna happen are you bad at stealth i'm terrible at stealth how difficult let's make it one purple and a black because someone okay, got shot I me out of boost to it because there's a door yes <laughs> i think it'll be very generous uh, a success and an advantage. All right, you were okay. stealthy. The two of you were stealthy. Afka says to Rowley, "All right, this guy didn't turn into a lizard when you when you stunned him. That's not our guy. Keep your blaster set to stun. There are four people behind this door." And Afka takes his blaster out, pocketing the kyber. How how are we going to? This room is filled with evidence. Are you saying we should clear the building and call for reinforcements? No, we're going to do this ourselves. It's only four of them. There's two of us. You're good with the blaster. I have one. They never stood a chance. <laughs> All right. They, they don't know we're here. So we're going to use the element of surprise. You kick down the door. Assess the situation. If they're dims, stun them. If they're not, well, we're going to let them go. You, you, you want me to dispatch them, correct? No, listen. Here's the plan. You're going to bust down the door, quickly assess the situation... If they're dims, stun them. If they're not, we're gonna let them go. You want me to? You want me to stun the enemy? Fair. But only the enemy. Fair enough. 
All right, let's begin. And Afka, like, sidles up on one side of the door. Raleigh kicks the door in and does a scan. I, don't, I, I, I would hope that Raleigh would keep his weapon lowered until he sees a threat. And I think all of these, all of them are, in fact, dims. Um, so let's okay. roll some initiative. Hopefully this won't be too arduous. Um, two successes, three advantages. That's good. Um, let me roll Raleigh. So this is going to be cool, which is presence. Cool presence. He stinks. You got one advantage. He just doesn't have presence. And uh, if they were like goofballs, their their presence doesn't get. Uh, if they don't have a cool check, it do, it does not get upgraded, right? Yep. Oh, yep. Raleigh stinks. They stink worse. Great. Afka's so, got the first turn. He does indeed. Um, so I think Raleigh kicks down the door and just shouts, Dims! Yeah, and do you want to um, go or Raleigh? I think I kind of think Raleigh should go. He's going to stun some people. I think it's going to be hopefully one stun per Raleigh turn. Might be <laughs> more than that. Last time. He got... He, he's good at shooting. What can I say? He got a two success, one threat, and a triumph. So Raleigh busts in and says, Dibs! And goes, (coughs) and takes one out, hits kind of one half of one of these guys with this uh, stun bolt, and kind of sends him a limp on the ground. The other two um, pick up weapons and charge at uh, Raleigh. What what would you want to do with that triumph? Did he Hmm. make it really easy for Afka? Yeah, I would like to do that. Um, You can pass on a triumph as an upgrade. Okay. I'm trying to think of a good, fun thing to do. So I'm, I'm already passing this triumph to Afka. Is there anything that you think I should do that would set him up to own? Yeah. Well, I think, so one guy's down on the ground, and so that's where his upgrade comes from. He's an easy target. And then maybe he, so I'm imagining that Rowley came in from the left side of the door and Afka's coming in from the right. So maybe Raleigh moved in and then got to the side so that Afka could get a clear shot. Great. So you should take a you should take a bonus, and you can also probably take a bonus taking that easy shot. Okay. So Afka like moves out of cover into the door and first aims for that dim on the ground, and the little blue rings shoot out of his holdout blaster. He's going to deal one, two, seven damage minus the four of their okay. soak. So three damage. So that's 11 of 20. That's that's that second guy. And then he's going to, I'm going to take two strain to take a second maneuver. And he's going to duck back behind the door to make it more difficult for them to hit him. I think that tracks, tracks with his uh, personality. And then it's the dunes. So here's an interesting thing, uh, a weird thing I, I like to, I've been thinking about. So the the dims don't really use blasters. Is that a thing? Not often. Sometimes. Okay. Well, I, I, here's the weird thing. I think that these this is this is this might be a weird uh, crew of dims that hasn't really shown up before, um, or maybe they're more related to the dims that we never saw in the Scorlix story arc. And I think think these are are some science dims. And I think they all use, um, like, uh, what's the word? Um, 
I wasn't actually thinking of Evernote. So I was thinking um, like uh, electro, uh, like shock gloves. Was the thing of I things? said earlier? Oh, stun batons. Stun batons. Okay. And that's Let's what all makes these sense. They're, they're related and to the the shock gloves that that one guy had yeah. way back when. Made sense to me. So Afka's down behind this. Uh, is hidden. Yeah, he's just outside the door. One of them's gonna fly themselves at Raleigh. Okay. With a shock baton, and I'm gonna—I can't—I'm I'm gonna flip because I want to give you one in your court. And they throw their shock baton out at Raleigh, and Raleigh's a little bit too fast. It's almost like Raleigh is constantly processing twice as much information at the same time. <laughs> I think that that's actually like Raleigh's blessing and his curse is that. He has two brains processing the same information at the same time Mm -hmm. and can have one arm shooting people and the other arm catches a shock baton in midair as it's traveling towards him. Um, And the shock kind of pulses through his body, but does no real damage. So Raleigh's in the middle of it. Raleigh should take the next turn. He catches that shock baton and just takes the other hand and turns it towards this person that he has kind of subjected and fires. He's very good at shooting. He got three. <laughs> so disappointed. He's, He's very good at shooting. I, I'm not used to people being too good at combat. So he got he got three successes, and he does nine damage. It's Twelve. Nineteen out of twenty. Okay, and I also got a triumph. Oh, so okay. this this combat's over. Um, he grabs the shock baton and shoots a stun bolt and sends this guy flying into the wall, and I think he grabs the. The shock baton is still in, in the hand that grabbed it, even though the guy's not. And he chucks it over and knocks the other mm-hmm. guy in the head. And then uh, Afka ducks into the room ready to take his next shot and sees that er- everybody's down. Yeah. Good good job, Rowley. Well done, team. So what the heck are they doing in here? What does this room look like? This is kind of a lower level... It looks like there's a lot of research going on there's a couple of computer consoles and these four guys in this room were doing some data entry afka actually looks at one of the terminals and sees that one of these guys was just doing like data mining and one of these guys is just on was just on the message boards trying to follow and track things um information about the dims and people talking about it and people talking about the list None of these guys turned into a lizard when you shot him. Where's where's our guy? Where's Nocknolil? I didn't sense anybody else besides these four guys down here. Perhaps if we investigate the terminals, we can find more info. I was just planning on wiping them. I think you should probably start shooting them soon. But I guess we should do that. We also have physical evidence that could be... We could, we could expedite some information. And I think... Rowley goes and grabs the uh, that guy in the suit and just gently drags him into the room with the computers. Does he slap him a couple times to wake him up to question him? I have found that nonviolence is usually the best recourse, at least the first. Are there any liquids present in the room? And he grabs a very, very... Uh, <laughs> 
a cup with just an inch or two of blue milk that has probably been been sitting here on a table next to a computer for a few days and dumps it on this guy's face. Oh, no, no. Can he, instead of that, can he, like, hold it up right under his nose? <laughs> yeah, he, he gently props the guy uh, up so that his back and head are kind of slunched over and places this glass of old blue milk under his nose. And the guy comes to pretty quickly <laughs> oh god that's revolting lord what and afka trains his little blaster on him you're gonna talk you're gonna tell us everything that's going on here there's there's nothing you can do to me that they're not gonna do 10 times over why should i talk to you who who are you even what you have no idea what you've stumbled into right now you have no idea what I'm capable of. <laughs> Does the name Afka Ronkles mean anything to you? And Afka holds out uh, a hand in sort of a squeezing position towards him. The things I could do to you. I think you should do a coercion check. Sure. What, how difficult is it on this guy? I think it's going to be at least... I think it's going to be two purples... And I think probably a black because he does know about you. I mean, the list is just names. So can I have a boost? It doesn't actually say what the yeah, people on the list uh, can do. Yeah, I'm rethinking this. Maybe he doesn't know that much about you. But but he does know that you're like, you're kind of a nerd. He's been following you on the internet. Following it. So mm-hmm. yeah, you're going to get the black. But yeah, you um, should I'm going to do an upgrade with, mm-hmm. the flip, with a flippy flip. Oh. Have you rolled that yet? No. I'm going to actually flip I'm thinking and I'm going to I want to turn one of those into a red. Okay. Can I have a boost because we just uh, handed him his butt? Okay. Yeah, I I think he's sweating a little bit. He's he, he's he's bluffing. Uh four successes. Wow. So uh yeah, you threatened him and he like sort of uh totally in his own brain starts like feeling his clo- his throat close up <coughs> what are you doing here we're we're doing research what kind of research we're trying to figure out we're trying to replicate these force powers okay and we've done it successfully you took someone yesterday where is he <laughs> he he's long gone we got what we needed out of him Good luck finding him. Where did you take him? There's no way I can tell you that. All I can tell you is that he's gone. And you'll never find him. I can't believe we found him. Carp's Airstream is shiny and silver in the darkness of Rock Bottom. Um, Rock Bottom is the bottom of one of the large avenues that crisscross Coruscant. So it is one of the few places that while you're still a thousand levels down from the surface or from the uh, the top levels, you can actually still at a distance see the sky. And you see as the Airstream parks, you see the little pack of pod racers go by, probably for their last lap. <laughs> and knowing Carp, she probably parks the Airstream a good distance around the corner and a few blocks down from the theater. 
Yes, and then I insist on zigzagging our way to the actual theater. Okay. The two of you disembark from the Airstream and make your way towards the theater, taking alleys and back streets and zigzagging so that your footprints can't be tracked easily. I... I, I, I do insist on doubling back a few times. But eventually we get there. In about three times the amount of time it should have taken. Yep. The theater is dark and f- falling apart. There's debris everywhere, but that's kind of common down here. It's on a big open square. The other buildings around it are just as abandoned and just as old and just as decrepit. The entryway to the theater is dark. It doesn't seem like anyone's here. There are no lights on. I ha- pull my blaster out just in case because mm-hmm. just because it looks abandoned doesn't mean there might not be someone skulking around somewhere. And the two of you enter the building? Yes. Mm-hmm. I want to know if Carp has blaster drawn or sword drawn. <laughs> or both. <laughs> Is, I, have I ever established whether I'm right or left-handed? I don't think so. Uh, Does that, that mean you're ambidextrous? I feel like absolutely. that's what you're trying to get at here. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I've got the sword in my left hand. Is it? Am I? I'm pretty strong, right? As a monk, calamari. I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> well, enough that I can carry a sword one-handed, and then a blaster in the other. I guess. Sure, I am. I've got brawn, don't I? Uh, not a terrible <laughs> no. <laughs> amount. No, not really. Well, it's um, it's ceremonial, so it's like not really that good. So it's it's okay. kind of light. I can hold it in one hand, and my blaster in the other. Well, the two of you enter this dark theater. As you enter, you see that there appears to be maybe like a coat check kind of thing on the right and a, um, a door to a big open space on the left. Straight ahead, it looks like it branches off in a couple directions, and there are a few more big open spaces. Basically, it's the lobby of a theater. You can see kind there of moth-eaten are... old curtains. and. Mm-hmm. And oddly, there are bits and pieces of old, old droids scattered around. Nothing for Carp to worry about because they don't look like they work. <laughs> I'm not... They don't look like they've worked in a long time. I'm not overly sympathetic to see all of the droids scattered about. Some of them are, like, slumped in the seats, almost like they'd been watching a show. Are they? <laughs> or they just happen to fall that way. I like the image, okay? Sure. Yeah. So, you're here. This place was clearly important. Do you have any idea of where to go? The map did not get any more specific than the theater itself, correct? That's correct. Well, let's just uh, let's what would you just like to do? poke around here. And I usually, uh, I feel like anything hidden would not be around the lobby area. It would be kind of backstage. It just, it's, secrets always feel like a backstage kind of thing. So I kind of yeah. hop up under the stage itself and start peeking behind the curtains. Well... You're not necessarily near the stage yet. So you're in this lobby area. To your left, it looked like there was a small stage. And as you move in a little bit further, it looks like there's a big open space that was the main stage. But if you were to peek in there, it sort of looks like 
it looks like a bomb went off and then a ship drove through it. <laughs> that sounds about right for rock bottom. It's, it, it's a bit messy. Yeah. There's no ceiling right now. Okay. Off to the right of that space, there was more of an open atrium. And looking down into it, you would see a very old red ball organ piano kind of thing. You know, a Max Rebo piano. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And then there are halls that go off to the back where they probably had dressing rooms and backstage stuff. All right. What, what do you think, Anamas? What, where should we poke around first? Maybe see if there's a what's left of an office. What, uh, I mean, that, what force powers first. does Anamas have? She has move, and that's it. Just move? Called correctly. Okay. Yes. Okay. So the two of you sort of snoop around looking for an old office. Uh, anything that you find looks like it's been long abandoned. It's very, very quiet. Where is Anamis keeping that crystal that she found? Or that she took back? Chanel stole. It's in a pocket. It's in a pocket. I, I would say it's more uh, reacquired. That's, that, that might mm-hmm. be a nicer word for it. Is it is it like just sticking out of your back pocket? Like a uh, cell phone? That Actually, big. I was going to say it's probably kind of like in a front pocket. As the two of you sort of poke around and make your way a little further into this place, Anami feels that crystal almost... Uh, it's, it's not like a physical sensation, but it feels like it's getting colder. It feels like it's getting cooler. Hmm... That's I shiver. Weird. Well, carp doesn't feel anything. Do I not? Am I not close enough? No, you don't even believe it. You don't like, believe in the force. Oh, so. the force. I'm sorry. Colder in the sense of being farther away or colder is in going towards something that's making it cold? Colder in Aname's way of sensing the force would be like, um, it's it's like the the color is being sapped from it. Even though, she, I mean, she's not, like, looking at it or anything, but that's, like, the, mm. the feeling that she's getting from it. She puts a hand over that pocket, just kind of reassuring it that it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And she goes, I think, says, I think we're going the right direction. The further you move back into this place, the more it, it feels like that. And let's get, a, let's get a force die roll. Roll your force rating. You can roll your force rating to carp. <laughs> I wouldn't even know where to begin. Yep, there it is. No dice. <laughs> well. Okay. So as the two of you move further and further into this place, that feeling that you're getting from that kyber crystal sort of emanates out into space. This place is dark. This place feels like it's sapping the color away from the edges of your vision. And... As you get to the back of the theater, you pass some dressing rooms and, and stuff, and you end up in this, this prop room. And there are uh, like these old, these ancient, like deteriorating mannequins uh, in a couple different species, just like hanging out in a corner, and uh, old sets that are covered with moth eaten, rotting fabric. And you spot a door. And the interesting thing about this door is that the panel next to it that controls it is working. And it is probably the only thing in the space that has a light on. She opens the door. It's locked. Oop. This sounds like a, it calls for carp. 
<laughs> this calls for carp. Uh, she was about to say, hey, uh, carp, it's locked. The computer calls for carp. So I kind of swagger up and hook into it. Okay. And let's get I hack let's it. get a roll. All right. Is this my second computer's check already? Yes. All right. Yeah. So you're rolling yellow, yellow, green, green, right? Uh-huh. Let's do three purples. Do you want to flip a light side point to upgrade one of your greens to a yellow? Nope. You have so many light side points. No, thank you. I can always get you more. Have, you have six. <laughs> Mark. <laughs> but I don't have all. The game's almost all. over. <laughs> Is it really? You'll never get all. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm good. <laughs> Just because I know it drives you crazy. Let's see. I'm not even going to argue for a boost. Let's see how this goes. A failure. Well, <laughs> I guess we have to go home now. No, no, no. There's another way to go about this. And she takes her lucky blaster and shoots the thing. <laughs> Does that work? You shoot the door. And Star Wars it, door logic. It whooshes open and will be open until you fix it. Yeah, that's never going to happen. <laughs> oh, wait. What if we the, need to slam it shut behind us? That's a great question. Oh, well. Or, you know, we can trash the place on our way out again. <laughs> Try and sabotage whatever they're doing. We, we don't know if there's even anybody here, but there's usually somebody on the other side of a door. So, all right. I've just I've got my sword now, so it's fine. <laughs> all right. So, so <laughs> I... I <laughs> I have this like I don't know yet how to walk with a sword. I don't know how to hold it the right way, and so <laughs> I've just got it like pointed straight out, and I'm sort of like crab walking along in a crouch. I'm, I'm also uh, kind of imagining you holding the sword in one hand, but then also you have your blaster in the other hand that is just like pressed up against it, like you're trying to right. hold the sword with two hands, but also <laughs> trying to hold the blaster. Anamis looks at you like, no, that's that's not how you, that it doesn't, that's not, not going, you're not going to be able to use it effectively that way <laughs> here. And she, she holsters her blaster real quick and adjusts your stance and how you're holding the gun, or the, um, the sword. Okay. And your grip. Alright, so I'm... How am I holding it now, then? You're holding it more upright, but more of a guard position instead of straight out. It's... (laughs) Like a skewer. It's raised a little bit. Yeah, it's not a skewer. It's... Yo, you're holding it where it can actually block something. Okay. If someone takes a swing at you. Alright, thanks. And definitely, you know, definitely got an improved grip that you can... You know, it's not going to be flying out of your hands at the first swing of anything if I cannot fall over (sighs) the door whooshes open into a staircase heading down the walls of it up here are just regular duracrete walls but it looks like about 10 feet in when it gets down past the floor they appear to be carved out they're It looks like emergency lighting up around the ceilings, just like little red lights here and there to light the stairs so that you don't fall down. Mm. And you can't really see a light at the end of the tunnel. 
And there's that kind of subterranean feeling that you, that almost clammy that you immediately get as you start descending into basements and Mm -hmm. carved out spaces. It's damp and cold, but it's oddly clean. So I'm pretty happy then, aren't I? It's like the opposite of um, (laughs) Snoober's, Snoober's, what's his... um, establishment called his, again his terrarium his terrarium it's called snoobers his his dry aquarium mm-hmm. carp might be comfortable in the cold damp but the cold brings with it a uh, sense of darkness f- with furanames it's not just cold it's not just damp it's it's dark side down here anames starts shivering a little bit not very perceptible, but yeah. There were places down towards the the bottom of um, of the Jedi Temple where it you could feel a little bit more darkness than uh, than other places, but this is more than any other place that you've felt. And the two of you head down the stairs. Yes. Yes. Um, which of us Who's is going first? first? Are are we yeah. side by side or is one of us. I feel like I'm I taller, so I, I follow along behind, so she can see. Okay. Yeah, I was gonna say if it's if there's not room for side by side, Anamis is probably going first, knowing her. So Anamis heads first, heads down first, with her blaster in front of her. <laughs> um, you get about halfway down, and there's a little landing, and at this point, you can see below you that there is a light ahead. She turns back and whispers as quietly as she can. Something, someone's up there. Someone's at the bottom. What? Oh, crap. (laughs) 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 She's not like, she doesn't handle these situations with any degree of dignity. She's she's not the cool one. I, I tighten my grip on my sword and my blaster. If only I had a third hand so I could carry my last blaster. <laughs> Someday. Uh, <laughs> Someday. I think you're the wrong species for that. Well. There's, there's cybernetics. There's. there's mm-hmm. You'd have to be able you have to trust droids, though. <laughs> no. You wouldn't even be able to trust yourself. <laughs> no. I. It'd be almost as bad as being a clone. How would I? It but would be a totally you know, Westworld. Like, how would I know that what I was thinking wasn't what I pro- was programmed to think? But then maybe I would be programmed to wonder that, and I would never escape, and it. it'd be a vicious circle. No, I can't take that chance. So, two hands for me. The two of you continue down these stairs. As you get closer to the bottom, you see the bright rectangle of a doorway, and your eyes adjust to the brightness. And in front of you, there's a large open room and as the two of you get closer to it you can hear the sound of voices coming up and echoing in this stairwell that you're in and it's not a few voices there are a lot of people in this room and it kind of has that weird like underground pool quality of where you can't immediately make out any words or even precisely what language they're speaking Mm -hmm. it's just like a mass of sound And as you reach this opening, you see dozens, more than dozens, you see at least 50 
people. Uh, a lot of them wearing the dark cloaks that you now associate with the dims. Um, on the opposite side of this large space, you see a group of people wearing masks. Um, and in the center of this space, which goes up uh, almost to probably the, the surface level that, that the theater was on, and it goes down hundreds of feet in the center of it, there's this large black stone thing that could be a mountain. It's it's a little bit more regular than than a mountain. It's huge. And what it looks like is happening, there, there are these big bright like work lights around the top of this space. And it seems it, it almost looks like an archaeological dig where people are uncovering different things here and cleaning different areas of this space. <laughs> we'll screen wipe to right in front of the Crescent Theater. Um, it is very old, very abandoned, very dark down here. Huh, this is one very old, abandoned, dark theater. I am guessing that by now Park has uh, swapped his outfit for his uh, nightcap outfit. That happened. That happened two wipes yeah. ago. The two screen wipes ago. All right, fine. So yeah, he's got his electro goggles on. Um, Electronoculars. Sort of, I know they're electronoculars, but they're, I'm assuming they're goggles, right? He looks like uh, uh, casual Spider-Man mm-hmm. with like the hoodie with the ripped up sleeves. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, he's got those on, and he can sort of look around this place. Does he go in? I don't know if he's going to go in the front door. Okay. On the way down, since you did come down from above, the center of this place, the the ceiling looked like it was caved in. Hmm. That might be a good entry point. Um, I think he is going to get uh, to the roof and try and go straight down through the cave-in. Okay. Let's get an athletics check with your whipcord thrower. Okay. Average difficulty. I have things that can upgrade my athletics, but I don't... I think those are more jumpy. Um, I mean, you can use enhance with it, so roll a force die with it. Okay. And what's the difficulty? Average. Okay. Two successes, one threat, one dark side pip. Okay. Do you want to use the dark side pip as an advantage to cancel out the threat? I don't think I need to. Okay. But then I am going to get two threats. Okay. It's still successful. That's fine. So you got two threats? Yeah. What does it look like when Park does this? So I think he actually approached the theater from kind of the ground level. Mm-hmm. So he whipcords himself um, from the ground to some scaffolding on the theater and then whipcords up a little bit higher and kind of slingshots himself up into the air. You can get a really good vantage point of the caved-in roof. Okay. And he's going to kind of do a controlled fall towards his entry point. Yeah, as he hit that scaffolding, um, it was it was sort of a loud Im- impact, and some of the metal bars holding it up fell down. <sighs> Great. And you're making a controlled fall into that hole? Yeah. Um, I would like uh, either an athletics or a coordination check to do a good job. 
okay. of falling into that hole without hurting yourself. I'm going to do athletics. Okay. And I want to do an average check, but with a setback uh, because you are falling into an unknown dark area. You don't know what's really below you. There's a little bit of light coming up uh, from above you. And yeah, so you've like the, the roof of this place is illuminated and that's sort of um, screwing with the, the, the settings on your electro-noculars. Okay. The roof is illuminated, but the place below it is very, very dark. Okay. I can also add a force die because yep. of my enhanced powers. Yep. I got one success, two advantage, two light side pip. Okay. One success, two advantage, two light sides. You want to mm-hmm. use the light sides as more advantages? Sure. Okay. So what does it look like when you pass through this giant gaping hole in the roof? As you get closer, it uh, you recognize that it has actually been blown out rather than caved in. Um, I think I think that park free falling into this into darkness is it's kind of that this has been. It's a, it's a little bit of a metaphor, really. Yeah, uh, I think it's one of the more frightening but also more freeing things that he's done this evening um, to allow himself to do, and I think that he. He kind of like puts trust in, puts trust in the force, basically. He's learned that he has this this weird ability, this connection, and he grabs for it. He like reaches for that connection, maybe more consciously than normal. Yeah. Can I also say can can I like use that as a as like a jumping off point for like a future role or something? Can he like fall and kind of as he's falling, he's he's almost like branching these webs through the building um as as like distant or as vague as they may be what do you mean like um he's sort of reaching out with the force into this building yeah i mean i i'm latched on to this like metaphor of these kind of strands that he was like um when he was underground and was yeah finding people and connections yeah, yeah. roll a force die okay one black <laughs> mm-hmm Okay, so Park lands in this sort of... Is it another superhero pose? Of course, it's gotta yeah. be. Uh-huh. He succeeded in his fall, so right, it's, right. it's gonna look cool. So he lands, um, he seems to be on kind of like a stage, and or what was at one point a stage. It's very precarious. It looks like the whole floor of this room has been blasted out. There are bits and pieces of droid bits and pieces of old chair old stage it's like both a bomb went off in this place and a ship flew through it and as he lands he he sort of feels that web and two there are like two points of brightness uh that are connected to him right now and then a massive web of darkness below him. Two points of brightness. I'm actually going to say there are like three points of brightness, and one of them is fleeting. One of them is smaller, further away. Okay. These are like connections with people. Yeah. Um, is he able to identify who they are, who he's connecting to? No. Okay. So many, many dark below him. Yeah. This is a 
strange and unusual place. I'm sure that there's a very interesting story here that I'll never know. Never. There's no way to know it. Picks up the head of some droid. It's ancient, like an ancient skull. Yeah, it kind of tosses it aside. And it clatters on the broken bits of stage. Um, Can I look for... I should do a perception check. Should you? For what? Maybe a way down? Or maybe something in this room that seems out of place? I mean, mean, everything in this room seems pretty out of place. Yeah, so it's a mess in here. But there is still an upper balcony with multiple exits. There are still multiple exits to your left, to your right, in front of you. The stage looks like it's been blasted and there is a sort of void below you too. He's probably going to continue on down the void. Okay. Yeah, it's it's dark down there, and it's dark not only, like, visually dark, but those webs. It's dark down there that way, too. Mm-hmm. The two connections that you have to the brightness are moving quickly along the along one edge of this large space that you're in. Moving quickly? It means that they're yeah. close. They are close. I mean, maybe maybe Park should meet these these webs, these like things that are connected to him. Um, he's gonna page Afka. What's going on, Afka? Um, are you getting any picking up any uh, any kind of scan signals of anyone close by me? Uh, let me check. What are you looking for? Just comms or something? Comms? Any kind of signals? Uh, I don't know. Maybe that basilisk from earlier or somebody. Maybe they're close by. Uh, okay. Yeah, sure. He starts typing. You hear some typing in the through your comms. Uh, there are a lot of people there. Okay. Like, there are like a hundred people there. Um, that, okay, that's a lot. Can you tell me, just give me one more sentence about that and I'll know everything I need to know. I'm getting a lot of com readings. There are there are a lot of com links all around you. Around me? Okay, not below me. They might be below you. I can't really tell. Hmm. Okay, this is a mess of stuff. It's a mess of stuff. I guess that's helpful. All right, any anything else before I uh, take the plunge, the proverbial and uh, physical? I'll let you know if something else comes up. All right, and. I think he's going for it. I think he's going to jump down. Okay. You jump down into the darkness. Mm -hmm. The floor is dusty. It might not be dust. It it might be like soot. Uh, You can't really tell it's too dark. Um, But there's there's something on the floor. Um, It's a big open space. It sort of dips down in the center. It seems like the, the sides of it go up, slant up like a big bowl mm-hmm. off in the space behind you sort of towards the front of the theater there's a little ledge with a very small opening and straight ahead of you towards the back of the theater there's a doorway small opening in a doorway yeah pretty small like year you might be a little big for it park's gonna approach the door okay you get closer to it it's pretty dark everything down here is dark And as you get to it, you notice the sort of green outline using your electro binoculars of of 
stairs going down. And off in the distance, it seems like it gets a little bit lighter. Hmm. I'm going to head down the stairs. Mm-hmm. And um, he, he's going to do so cautiously. Yeah. As he's done everything he's done this evening. So you move cautiously, quietly down the stairs. And you start approaching that lightness. And you get to the end of this hallway. You get to the end of this hallway and it opens up onto sort of, uh, what's the word? You reach a landing and uh, sort of perpendicular to this staircase is another staircase that goes up and down. And as you reach that landing, I'm going to flip all my dark side points. All of them? Yeah. You have five light side points. And I'm going to flip all my dark side points over. Oh, no. Uh. At this point, I'm going to flip all of your dark side points, and I think that all of the computer terminals in this room start blinking. Raleigh walks over to one and says, There's a there's an incoming transmission on all, all channels. Afka runs over to the nearest computer and says to Raleigh, Keep your blaster on him. And Afka starts tapping at the computer and gets Park on the comms. You get Afka in your ear. I'm getting a lot of weird chatter. Uh, something's going on. Something big. And he, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna push it through to you. And you hear a, a voice in your ear say, "The time has come. Execute Order 66." And that web that you just got connected to, that you just discovered it, it starts breaking and replacing itself with dark strands connecting different points of the universe. It was a lot bigger than you knew it to be, but it starts shrinking. And you still feel the connection to those two that are close by, but everywhere else, it's just darkness. What does Park do? I think it like is like a physically tolling uh, thing that's happening. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't understand why at all. Park feels like he feels a connection that he just tapped into start to dissolve. And he kind of feels like he's losing himself while he sees these these webs and these pinpricks of light kind of turn dark. And it fills him with a lot of fear. And you hear somebody scream from very close by. I think he's going to head in the direction of the screen. There's a screen wipe, and we are in the back of a speeder moving along Dak Avenue. Saul Dixon is on one side with Meryl Katunka on the other, and in between them is a young man, Addie Greger. So the speeder moves along Dak Avenue towards the uh, secret hideout that Saul Dixon has been working out of. It's a, it's a short distance. As you move along, it's, it's quiet. Meryl's got a little bit of time to think to herself. Sel's not been quite as talkative lately as uh, uh, their, their first encounter or two. And as they move, something changes. Just a couple days ago, Meryl realized that her abilities may be more than just her physical abilities that she was possibly tapping into something larger than herself. The negative emotions, the 
the power that she feels when she uses her repulsor fist or, or jumps off a ledge and falls 30 feet and catches herself on the bottom, or even when she's looking for something or someone, that power starts to get stronger. And she sees Saul off in the corner, sort of uh, put his hand to his ear like somebody's talking to him. What does Meryl feel when the galaxy starts changing? As I'm sitting there in this cab with Saul and a member of the Dim, of all people, a teenager no less, sitting in between us, I just, the, the events of the last couple of days have really made me self-aware in a whole new way. I feel like my senses are are on fire and like my skin is just vibrating and tingling everywhere all of a sudden. It's like something started a few days ago that all of a sudden, a few seconds ago in this cab ride, the dam broke loose and there's a new energy in the air. And I feel like I'm tapping into this energy in the air. And I don't know where it's coming from and I don't know what it's about, but I have some ideas and there's something inside me that feels strong and angry and powerful and I like it. There's a screen wipe and we see a small R3 astromech droid with a clear dome rolling out of Mitch and Sons. They've just found their ship, Dusty, after 10 years in impound. And they're off to find a way to earn some credits to buy their ship back. The docks are busy this time of night. Ships have been coming and going. Lots of clone ships have been coming and going. And as this R3 unit rolls close to the edge of the docks where they can look down into this pit in this place they visited, it seems so long ago. Something in the universe changes. Those little crystals that they would see, the, the other connections, the people, the people who could also use the force, the other finders, everybody out there, some of them start to go out little pinpricks of light just blinking out. The universe filling itself with darkness. As he's uh, rolling around in his new chassis, to everyone else it just looks like a malfunctioning droid, but he kind of does the R2 warble because he's still working on his voice modulator. And he, he just gets that almost like he powers down like the bright future that the finders were out there looking for is, is gone and so it's this feeling of going back in the cave he I think his mind goes back to his uh, kind of a shard adopted brother Danto in a dark cave all alone I think that's kind of where he's feeling himself is in a dark city in a dark reverse and there's not as many light points of light I think he's going to have to learn to walk in darkness and uh, kind of hide himself 
I need to hide. And there's a screen wipe. We see DJ Mystique. They are playing a gig tonight. A high school dance is not their favorite type of gig, but you know, it pays the bills. Normally this is like, as, as we said, this is not usually their kind of gig, but just feeling these kids and watching their awkwardness and watching them come together just brings a little light to their heart right now. Mm-hmm. And then out of nowhere, it's almost like the universe begins to change. The sounds of music and people having a good time, it fades into the background and into the foreground comes again that dark beat. As the dark beat starts coming up, the first thing in our mind is just like, but but I'm not at Joe's. What's, what, what, what's going on? What, what? And just confusion starts coming over their face. And it gets louder and louder and the sounds of, uh, of, of everything else, the, the beats associated with, with happiness, with anything good and light just disappear and are replaced with that darkness. As that darkness starts coming like into DJ Mystique's mind, they start l- just looking at the kids, and I start looking around to see if any of them are reacting to this or any of them notice anything different. The crowd continues dancing to the beats that DJ Mystique is putting out, and off in the distance, it's it's almost like a spotlight on one particular person who is standing alone in the center of a crowd. It's, it's almost that, that feeling of, of aloneness in a group of people, that feeling of loneliness and fear uh, surrounds this one particular person. This person, just a, a younger kid, probably human, just like DJ Mystique, so they can, like, it's gonna be one at one-to-one spotting and just that emptiness in their eyes of not knowing what's going on, but knowing something's going on, just that stare and DJ Mystique is staring at them as well. Just the fact that they're the only one there, like, you know. Mm-hmm. They sort of put a, a hand clenching near their chest. The moment they do that, I turn around to my turntables, get on my gear, just turn up, go on mic and going, hi, kids, everyone. Time for the slow song. And I get your, and try not to panic, get your dates together and get that slow song and put on the nicest song I know and going and go into this person. There's a screen wipe. Kishi stands at the edge of a small cliff. Beside him is a small stone cairn. And behind him, Janet walks out of the darkness of the old temple that they have found and made their home on Dantooine. The sun is setting and the fields of grain below them glow in the golden light. Off in the distance, they can just make out the Citadel city of Baneer. And then something changes in the galaxy. That fire that Janet feels grows like an inferno. And that sort of watery feeling that Kishi gets when he accesses the force or the cunning, as they call it, ebbs like the tide going out. And it almost disappears into the distance. What's going through 
the minds of Janet and Kishi right now. Oh, that's, that's nice. I feel, oh, that's lovely. I like, Kishi, Kishi, do you feel that? Janet feels a warm wash of energy filling her and she flushes a lovely light crimson color responding to that glow inside of her. I felt it. Kishi's ears wilt. I feel empty. Kishi flushes a deep midnight blue. It's quiet. Oh, it's definitely it's a, not quiet. It's really loud. It's like something overtook me and then just everything went silent. Like it was very loud and then I hear an echo. Like I can but hear the echo. echo of... No, not that. Oh. It's like when the wave hit, it was loud and overwhelming and now I just hear this kind of resonance. It's just so different for Janet than it is for Kishi. The, the power that Janet feels when she uses her, her cunning, it's, it's there. It's all over the place. It's surrounding her. And for Kishi, it's, it's just sort, sort of quiet. It's gone. And even that echo fades. What are Kishi and Janet going to do next? Kishi, he looks around and there's like a plant that's slightly wilted. Mm-hmm. And he tries with all his might to send force energy into it and revive it. And it, it is so much more difficult than typically is for him. And I think maybe you get the littlest bit of revival, but, but that's it. Janet, I think whatever it is, it left me. Janet and Kishi talk it over for a short while. And then they begin to feel something else close by something that is present for both of them and it's back in that temple that you've you've found that you've been living in for the past few weeks Kishi I think our home's waking up I feel cold let's go inside I think it's gonna be warm inside okay let's go inside and the two of you head in to discover what the force has in store for you and there's a screen wipe we see a Delta Sky Sprite in hyperspace. Connie has made the jump from Coruscant along the Carillion Run, made a stop off at Druckenwell for resupply, and then has begun her journey on the Rena trade route into Bothan space towards Dressel. All the while, while she's been in the cockpit of this ship, she's been able to reach out in the force and maybe not commune with her former master, but but that, that sound has been there when she's looked for it. How has Connie been the past maybe half a week? I'm fairly certain Connie is in a, uh, like a single person um, mm-hmm. ship, right? Yeah, it's, it's that arrowhead shaped ship with the hyperdrive ring around oh, it. Oh man, she's definitely feeling a little cramped. Mm-hmm. She's been able to make like one or two stop-offs, but yeah, it's kind of a long journey, even with a nice hyperdrive to the place that she's going. And getting um, definitely some muscle fatigue as well, not being able to get up and stretch out. Mm-hmm. But emotionally-wise, I think she's still feeling conflicted mm-hmm. and unbalanced. 
because while she's sure this is still the right path, there's still all these doubts in is she doing the right thing to have moved like this on her own, to have basically stolen a master ship to follow what basically amounts to just a feeling. Mm -hmm. And as she closes in on her destination, the nav computer beeps to let her know that she is almost there. And that music that she heard the last time we saw her, she picks that up for a moment and then it fades out. And that unbalance and and conflict that she has been feeling about the, the choices she's made, it sort of deepens and almost expands out from the place that she is. And that familiar feel, the, the one that Master Rona told her to push aside, becomes stronger. The dark side becomes stronger all around. And as she comes out of hyperspace, the alarms on her dash uh, light up and start beeping. In front of her, the sandy-colored planet Dressel. And in front of that, she can see the silhouettes of two Republic cruisers. And as they see this sky sprite come out of hyperspace, they start shooting. No, 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 no. Okay, uh... Connie hits the, uh, the the comms to open a connection. This is Jedi Knight Connie. Definitely Republic. Definitely shouldn't be shooting at me. Oh uh, gosh, this is where I'd say insight check if I was playing D&D. <laughs> <laughs> I think she would have that insight or connection to the Force. She Something mm-hmm. is going on that she is aware of. The dark side is stronger than it should be. The dark side feels so strong and it's not right that clone troopers would be trying to take me into custody or sh- firing at my ship. And Dressel is right there. And I can't hear the song anymore. It's quiet. All you can hear is the the rumble of your ship's engines and the echoes of, of the laser bolts that flew past your ship. We've been ordered to take you into custody. Slow your approach. Our tractor beams will do that. His voice is cut off by the sound of a lightsaber. Connie, run! For a moment, you uh, swear that that was Rona. Go! I shut off my communications, and I take evasive action to get planet side. As Anamis gets to this, this opening, there's this sort of hastily built catwalk because you know how I feel about catwalks all around this this space with a couple different levels on it and as she gets there that coldness that was uh, emanating from the kyber crystal and emanating from this space it like it expands explosively like the coldness and the darkness of this space moves outward and starts connecting with other dark spots here and there and the colors the almost like prismatic almost the the spectrum that Aname sees as the force the Mm -hmm. colors begin to go out and are replaced with only black and gray and what does Aname's do? She's starting to look like she's having a hard time breathing because 
not quite panic attack, but definitely getting close to it, because this is not normal. She's never experienced anything like this before. I think I need a fear check from an eyes. <laughs> so that would be what? Cool, resilience? Cool or discipline? Cool or discipline. I'm going to go with discipline then. Okay. I'm going to make it, I'm going to make it daunting. Four purples. I would like a setback because of where she is and a setback because of the sheer number of people that are now in front of her. Can I add my force writing to this? I don't think you can. Not for this one. Because it's not really there. Oh, wow! Okay. A success in two threats? I thought for sure I'd be getting, like, negatives exclusively. Yeah, that is a surprisingly good roll. (laughs) So what does Anames do? She stops and backs against the wall, and she's just breathing very heavily, just like she's trying to catch her breath, somewhere between catch her breath and visibly trying to calm herself. I think it it it's sort of that that feeling yeah something's wrong i i don't know what they're doing but something just isn't right and it's or it's it's bad i've never felt felt anything like this i think it's sort of that feeling you it's like a mixture of the feeling when you haven't eaten anything all day and it just suddenly hits you and you get like dizzy and she's probably even feeling a little nauseous and Carp sees mm-hmm. little beads of sweat start to form on her forehead. Is it? Mm-hmm. Like her forced blood sugar is a little low. Her forced blood sugar is gone. Oh, that's bad. <laughs> the light side is not touching Anames right now at all. And I think it starts to uh, as she like leans up against this wall, maybe she closes her eyes for a second and she can sort of reach out. So you reach out to those colors that you know as Master Jiva and you can't find him. And you reach out to those colors that you know as your friend um, Palmram in the Jedi Library and you are able to touch her for a moment and then those colors go out. Um, <sighs> what is Carp's reaction to Anames suddenly just stopping and leaning against a wall? And like minutes ago, Anames was like ready to go. We're going to face the dims. And now it's almost like she's out of it. I mean, I do start to like take things a little more seriously. I'm a, I'm a little concerned. I do try to like put my hand out and sort of. I don't have any real sort of medical understanding, so I just kind of I don't <laughs> I don't know what else to do, so I just start slapping her back. Like it's it's all I can think to do, but it is like a a weird <laughs> knee jerk response of complete. Well, it's kind of funny, oh but at the my. same time, it's the reaction of someone who is utterly at a loss of what to do. If that makes sense, it does. And those those two threats you rolled, so the two of you are at the bottom of this stairway into this big open bright space silhouetted against the red lights of the stairs but also illuminated by the bright lights of this room you hear somebody shout hey who are you 
<laughs> and a few other people sort of join up and and there's a sudden there's the sudden din of shouting and people begin to run towards the two of you. Anami's finally kind of snaps out of it and looks at them and shouts back, "What did you just do?" And your shout is I mean, since they know we're here now, there's no sense pretending yep. we're not. Your shout is answered with a blaster bolt that hits the wall to the side of where you're standing. <laughs> and, well, she uh, has a her blaster of, out. She's going to fire back. <laughs> a group of dims uh, are running towards the pair of you. There are quite a few people in this room, probably more than the two of you can take. <laughs> A little, a little yeah, too many but, for my sword to handle. But I mean, there's, I mean, we can't walk side by side. So even so, they'd still have to come at us one by one. Okay, but <laughs> I start running and I, I, I start dragging Inames behind me. She keeps shooting as she goes. <laughs> All right, I'm just like I've got one like big flippery arm around her, and she's just shooting straight up down the passage. Let's get a, a roll for Aname's shooting. <laughs> I mean, you're Boy. you're in an, in an emotional state, to say the least. Yeah. What's my difficulty? I... let me see. Also, I think I'm gonna flip, okay. since I have can... all the light side points now. Alright, so you flip, and I would like to actually make this a... Uh, since I, I don't want this to, like... I don't want combat to go on forever, so I'm going to actually make it a mm -hmm. contested roll of you shooting versus them shooting. We'll see who comes out okay. on top. Uh, so it's going to be against a red and a purple. And I was trying to think if there's any way I could argue for myself a boost for myself, but I'm afraid I didn't. There's, there's a really what? good Star Wars base boost for you. <laughs> You've got the high ground. True, true. <laughs> really? Okay. Yep. Everything completely so, canceled out. Just oh, completely. So Anamis is shooting down the staircase, and Dims are shooting up the staircase, and blaster bolts are just hitting the the walls and the stairs, and and everything except the people shooting <laughs> them. And the two of you make it to that landing that's about halfway up, and as you get there, you didn't notice it on your way down, but there is actually a second way out of this space the the landing actually runs it's got a, a hallway that runs flat no stairs and you see somebody come barreling down that hallway you actually you only spot the pair of green lenses as they come down the hallway and they do sort of a a, a jump and flip over the pair of you what? into that landing and use some sort of like, so they, they do this sort of uh, jump flip over the two of you. The ceiling's just tall enough that they can sort of do that uh, gracefully. They land on the other side in sort of a, a hero landing. Right. <laughs> and they punch forward with their right hand and the left hand. And as they punch this sort of like liquid rope shoots out of either side. What and is going on? The, the lead dims, the lead dims are tangled up in it and sort of fall back against each other. And he 
looks at the two of you and he says, Hey, uh, I don't know who you guys are, but we got to get out of here right now. Uh, Carp's not really sure what to point her sword at. <laughs> but he doesn't seem to be trying to kill them, so. Does he look at all familiar? Maybe or to Carp. Wait, say that again. The description fits somebody that uh, has been talked about on the message boards who you know of as the Rakazak. <laughs> I was right! Wait, I'm, I'm a little that bit is lost. That's who I was thinking of. If, do I have space amnesia? You've not met this character. Okay, but Carp immediately knows who he is, right? Carp knows, Carp has, has heard rumors of, of the vigilante known as uh, the Rakazak or as Nightcat, who has been seen around Little Onderon. And this person Wait. fits that description. Oh, man. It would have been around Little Andra. That's where Anames lives. That is she true. Would probably, she would probably at least know You may have heard of rumors of, uh, of a vigilante, yeah. What are you waiting for? Run! You know, probably he's not always been... taking down bad guys. Sometimes he's just directing traffic, but she knows he's good. <laughs> so we just follow him. <laughs> she, he told the two Anames of you to run. Anames is willing to follow, but she's still shooting over her shoulder. <laughs> Especially because whoever this is... The, she's not leaving him to find him alone. One of the shots goes close to him and... Whoa there, buddy. That was close. Keep practicing. You'll get me one day. And Anames and Nightcat sort of fend these guys off. And Park's whipcord thrower has has tangled a few of them. And it's getting harder for them to, to sort of get out of this little staircase that they're in and they're clambering over each other and the three of them have the opportunity to to run. Yes. Does Anamis recognize any of them? It's dark. They all have hoods. I think it would be difficult to recognize any particular one. I'll roll for it. Okay. <laughs> um, roll. I feel like, are, are you actively looking? Or are you looking while you're running? Looking while I'm... Well, I'm not sure if it's so much looking while I'm running, but so much as looking while I'm shooting. <laughs> okay. But um, not at I what you're shooting. I would argue vigilance. Which is why you're missing. Considering she has a... She knows of some people that very well might be here. And she is also remembering that this has to do with the falling through the cracks bit. Add, a, add your force die. Versus... Versus... Two purples and a setback for darkness and a setback for the sheer number of them. Well, that's a roll. Yeah. So Anami still can't feel the light side anywhere. It feels like it has been sapped from the galaxy. And looking at these people while she fires her blaster at them, she can see that Park has ensnared one of them that she recognizes as as Ozum. He's the Force-sensitive one, correct? He is. Let me check something really quick. I want to see if I can do... If I have what I need to do this. Okay, yeah. I, I'm going... I am going to have to... I'm going to make a move check. Okay. Because she's going to try and drag him with her. She wants answers. I mean, so Carp's dragging you, you and triumph. you're dragging this guy. Yeah. I like it. What do you want to do with the triumph? 
If you want to use that dark side point, you can use that for move. I was going to roll for move anyway, and I was going to. I was wondering if there was anything I could do with the triumph to affect my move. How powerful is your move? How far have you purchased along there? So I have range first each of range, strength, and control. Okay. So that's silhouette one, medium range, and I don't remember what the control one is, but okay. Basically, can you we use it for combat checks? Okay. So, which isn't exactly going to be relevant. Unless, well, actually, it might be because she might toss him along with her, you know, toss him ahead of overhead ahead of him to try and knock him out. Well, roll your roll your check, and we'll see what you get. Uh, and then you can add the triumph into that if you want to use. Um, so for a range combat check, I, with it, which iteration of range would that be? I mean, well, it doesn't actually matter in this case. Yeah, if it's a person, it's ranged heavy. It's the same. What I have is the same either way, so. Okay. <laughs> okay. Right, two successes, so, one threat, and a light side. Light side. So at this point, Park is, like, rolling his eyes because we've got the opportunity to get out of here. Why aren't we getting out of here? I'm trying. Oh, she's doing this while she's running. <laughs> I'm trying. She's still moving along the way. My little, my long fish legs are just pumping away, just trying to get back up to the lobby. Yeah. She basically, she's just, she's doing a maneuver and to move. And this is her action as opposed to double moving. So she's okay. still moving. Yeah. As the three of you move along this hallway, you end up out in a big open space. This space also that sort will of... be a ten. That will be ten damage for him. Okay, uh, he's either dead or knocked out. So she's aiming for knocked you, out. You end up in this big open space. It sort of dips in the center, and as you look around it, it is wide open, and including the ceiling because there is no ceiling and you can see straight out into the sky she anamis is going to turn to the new person Mm -hmm. and say if we get him in if i get him into the airstream can you tie him up i mean yeah no problem but first we got to get out of here how high can the two of you jump the ceiling's Uh, like 15 is he asking both of us or just her (laughs) yeah Yep, both of you. <laughs> How high can a mon calamari mean, jump? Probably not that high. She doesn't have enhance, so she does not have enhance. Mm-hmm. This sounds like an athletics role, so it would just be her straight athletics. So while he's asking that question, unless she can use her move power on herself. Well, yeah. What is what did she just do? because uh, we didn't really explain that. So he's he's asking that question. How how high can the two of you jump? She just used the force to grab Yism, pull him out of the crowd where he got, you know, where he was tangled up, throw him over their head toward the door, and he kind of hit his head when he landed. Just a little bit. Yeah, probably, you know, hard enough to knock him out. He'll probably have a bit of a concussion. And Carp just saw Anamis use the force. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I look around for the magnets. <laughs> wow, that was some toss. What? Well, I'm also kind of distracted. 
So I, I, don't, I guess I probably didn't really get a good look at what she did either. Park does have enhance. So Park sees the two of you, sees the two of you doing whatever it is you're doing. And he just grabs Carp around the waist <laughs> and then he grabs an <laughs> And then he just jumps <laughs> okay. and takes the two of you with him up through this hole. And the three of you land on the edge of what used to be a stage. I'm going to say that Ozum is, with a flip of my dark side point, still down in this pit. And uh, if you want to grab him, you got to grab him. Or tell I'm Park to grab him. him. Or you can I'm tell Park him. to grab him. I'm grabbing him. Park, grab him. He may have answers. And Park is going to do a check. All right, so Park absolutely grabbed him. So Park aims down with his whipcord thrower and his new high tensile whipcords shoot out of his shooter and wrap around one of the the cords that's already tying up those um and park yanks him up and says alley yoop <laughs> hey uh, someone want to come grab this guy and <laughs> ozum comes flying out of the the pit that he was in i <laughs> i guy at this point carp is still not really sure what's going on but but <laughs> I, at this point, I, I just kind of sheathe my sword because it's just getting in the way, but I will find a way to use that sword. And maybe I take possession of this dude who's coming along with us for some reason. Ozum hits Carp uh, with a little bit more force than Carp was expecting, and Carp's going to take a strain. Why? <laughs> because. Because threats were rolled. <laughs> What's that got to do with me? So the, the four of you make your way out of the Crescent Theater. Um, you hear the shouts of the dims coming from the back end of the theater and underneath the theater. And the four of you make your way through rock bottom, through alleys and around the corners of abandoned buildings back to Carp's Airstream. You load Ozum in and Park hops into the passenger seat and he's sort of holding his head a little bit. And you see he's got his um, one of his hands pressed up against uh, where his ear is, like somebody's talking in his ear. And you can hear him quietly talking as the two of you get Ozum situated and the Airstream ready to move. Park uh, reaches up and activates his ear calm and he is trying to open a channel to Afka, and he says to Afka, Afka, do you do you read me? Do you come in? Yeah, I'm, I'm here. What's what's going on up there? This is this is big. They're saying the Jedi are traitors. I, 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 what? I, I don't know anything about this. this. I mean, how long ago did this start? Just minutes when when that transmission came in. <laughs> I mean, I, I felt like I didn't know what it was, but I felt like something something happened. Yeah, this isn't good. Uh, I think things are going to be different now. I think our job just got a lot harder. 
Well, the Crescent Theater wasn't didn't get too much down there. We got one prisoner. We I got him right here. We? Who are you with? Some friends. I maybe hopefully I'm in their airstream. Where where are you, Afka? We we need to meet up. We we have to come up with a plan here. Yeah, that's a good idea. I'm down by the docks. Uh, we should pick a safe spot and uh, regroup. I guess. All right, send me your coordinates. Um, maybe these folks here will take me to you uh, if I ask nicely. All right, sending the coordinates now. Thanks, Afka. While I um, I'm getting the airstream in motion, I kind of throw him a very suspicious little look, and then I I gun it. You can't see the look that he gives you because he's still wearing a mask. <laughs> he's got his green goggles on over his eyes, but he gives you a look back. And as you gun it up into the upper levels into the Coruscant night, you can see in the distance the Jedi Temple burns. Thanks for listening to another episode of Coruscant Nights. Coruscant Nights is a production of Nightcast Creative. For more information on this and our other projects, visit nightcastcreative.com. Thanks to Doug, Nikki, and Rill for playing on these episodes. If you're loving Coruscant Nights, be sure to leave us a review on your favorite podcatcher and visit us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Nights. As we finish the story and celebrate two years of Coruscant Nights, we've got a lot of people to thank. First, I want to thank our patrons, Doug, Ben, Steve, Heather, Adam, Tony, Mr. T, AJ, Sarah, David, Reese, Seppi, Char, Sam, Kyle, Andrew, and Chris. Your continued support has helped the show grow and improve these past two years. I'd also like to thank all the podcasts who have shown us support since the beginning, especially Flight Risk Podcasts, but also Force Majeure, Dicey Cantina, Starbirds, New Republic Radio, Redemption, and all the other shows who've played trailers for Coruscant Nights in the other place. Thank you to everyone who has donated for Destiny. Thanks to the 26 players that we've had on the show over the past two years. And most of all, thank you for listening.